Where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. Podcasting from the Pacific Northwest, the caffeine and Sasquatch capital of the world, and home to the world's biggest Highland Games fans. This is Fork Talk. Will you fight? A podcast about all things Highland Games heavy events, competitive throwing, and the greatest sporting event ever invented on God's green earth, Sheep. And now, here are your hosts, Big Daddy and Hoss. But they'll never take our freedom! Gitchagumi. That's Indian for Big Lake. Is it? it is sad, yeah. Never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. Gloomy, boy, he's such a poet, and he doesn't know it. With he does know it. He's, a, he, he's the guy who wrote a song. You love this song, don't you? I see a tear in your eye. This is my second favorite of all time songs. Really? Followed only by uh, Ghost from a Wishing Well by the same singer. And that would be the great Gordon Lightfoot. It would be the late, great Gordon Lightfoot. Even though he's not dead yet, he's on his way. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think he was dead. You just saw him at the old EQC Indian Casino. It looked like, you know, have you ever watched one of those puppet shows and they got like a skeleton and it moves its mouth and then they have music coming out of it? Yes. That's pretty much what it looked like to me. Really? Mm, yeah. You were still moved, though, to tears oh, I was. in that concert. Let me tell you not? something. They played that. They played this song and they played that song, uh, Ghost from Wishing Well. Yeah. And I, I am not lying. The Big Daddy shed a tear. You know, we did that one uh, segment on podcast previously where we talked about um, guilty pleasures. Yeah. And I don't think this this wasn't your guilty pleasure. However, I think a lot of the Fort Talk Nation might be surprised at the fact that you have a heart, a soft spot in that big bulbous body of yours for Gordon Lightfoot and the uh, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I do. Yes. Well, actually, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Chicago, and then we moved to Wisconsin, and then you know. Uh, my mom worked with a lady whose son was on the Edmund Fitzgerald when it sank. Oh, really? Yeah, she worked with her. Uh, I mean, they were one desk away. Wow. Well, uh, Fort Talk Nation and the rest of the world, welcome to Fort Talk, episode 31. Episode 31, which in Mexican is Doseki 1. Doseki 1? <laughs> yes, and we're still yes. on Doseki 1 because we're still uh, vibing on the lake. We are still uh, in that vacation mode, just finishing up. Yeah, we can tell you that we're on a lake in Minnesota. That's right. So we're, We can also tell you there's 10,000 lakes in Minnesota. That's right. So you couldn't really find us anyway. But you could try. That's, the, that's to keep the choppers from coming in and taking us out. Yes. That's right. Look out for the Black Hawk. That's right. Um, Look out for the White Hawk. Welcome to Fork Talk. Um, we're, uh, of course, starting off with the great uh, Wreck of Edmund Fitzgerald, which is uh, a famous song about a famous ore ship wreck uh, in the Lake Superior. Uh, uh, and there's a museum in Duluth that's all about this. And uh, so we thought it would be appropriate. Yep. Uh, I am your co-host, Haas. And you are? I'm the other co-host, Big Daddy. We still are going by Captain Walleye and Musky Man if you need to contact us. That's true. And most people, you know, if you can't tell the difference, I'm Captain Walleye. And I'm Musky Man. Yes, you are Musky Man. All right. We are here with none of our staff. 
Yeah, which is which fine with us. Just the way we yeah, like I mean, it. We can move things a little bit faster without any interruptions. But we will give them shouts. It sure, is, we can tell people. Uh, producer Candy Esprinkle. Howdy ho. We got Devil Ange. Hey, y'all. Big Daddy's the best in bed always. We got intern Slim Jim. Yo. We got our official cartoonist, our graphic artist, excuse me, Jim Walker. Security, Rhino. Uh, Chief Scientific Officer, Dr. Ken Noisewater Beck. Official cartoonist, Matt Thompson of Vargas Highlander. We've got our roving reporter, the international man of mystery. Miles Wetzel. Our official historian, Roger Saunders. And our number one fan, Audrey Audrey Rose Walker. And once again, shouts Tim Tim because he's on her heels. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's a close second, the old Tim Meister. Website is www.fork-talk.com. Facebook, Fork Talk with Big Daddy and Haas. Yes, indeed. And you know what? We couldn't run this show and earn our dirty Fork Talk money if we didn't have good sponsorship. That's right. So let me take the Edmund Fitzgerald down because it's used <laughs> to doing that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, 29 sailors who perished on this ship for what he just said. You know what's interesting is you keep on the dock out uh, on the lake, keep thinking that Cookie from the uh, Edmund Fitzgerald is talking to you. I've seen him twice. One time was when I was on that paddleboard that you guys sabotaged me on. Yeah. Uh, when I was falling off the paddleboard, the Cookie came to me and said, "It." he said, Jay, it's too rough to feed you. And I fell off in the water. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so the ghost of Cookie of the yeah. Fitzgerald is haunting our lake and haunting you. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do shouts to uh, Metro Science anyway, so I'll yeah. take that down. Yeah, do that. It's a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. Yeah. Very haunting. Yes, as it should be. The lyrics are haunting. The music is haunting. Right. You know, Gordon Lightfoot will be haunting in a few years, <laughs> a few days, who knows. So let's talk about Mattress Ranch, Please our do. number one sponsor. Mattress Ranch is pleased to announce the new and improved MattressRanch.com. The new site sucks 70, sorry, 87.7%. It actually grew 10 points. <laughs> less than the old one and 100% less than every other mattress site. Seriously, look at it. It is awesome. And I'm going to tell you this right now, Hoss. I've looked at it. Yes. It's amazing. It is. You know, I don't really look at mattress sites much, but when I do... I look at mattress transactions. Well, that, you don't need to look at um, mattress sites very often because you have a standing order to have a new one delivered to your home every three weeks because you destroy them. Yes. It's well, well, pun- well noted. I have a punch card. What are you up to now? 48, 52, yeah, something f- like 51. that? 51. 51. Yeah. Wow. Kapow. Boom. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We all know you need a good night's sleep to perform your best. You've been in a cheap motel before games and woke up stiff. Sore and through like crap. Yep. Don't do that every day. Stop by one of the Mattress Ranch stores in Washington or Alaska or go to mattressranch.com and get yourself a good bed and have a good night's sleep. Mattressranch.com. We got your bed. We got your bed, Law Dog. Law Dog. Your bed don't go around here, Law Dog. It never gets, it never it never gets, gets old. old. Not to me either. <laughs> never, never gets old. Fork Talk Nation, if it gets old to you, we're sorry. You can always just uh, take your headset off when we say that, but, uh, you know. Or suck it. But just remember, loud don't go around here, loud out. Loud don't go. Um, we have got, of course, a great show for you, as always. Yes, we in do. Podcast Goldland. Um, we are going to check in with the international. This is the. So the theme of this podcast is definitely interview land. Yeah, it is. It's the land of the interviews. The land of interviews. We are 
We're not going to do any other segments. We're not going to do Olympics. We're not going to do a historical figure. None of that stuff. What we're doing is interviews. We're flipping it on you, folks. That's right. You got to keep on your toes with us. Well, you know, we're trying to keep this, you know, lighthearted. We're trying to make sure people still continue to listen to us. Damn right. You know. So we gotta we gotta switch up every now and again. We gotta come up with new ideas and you know bright new spots. Exactly. You know, we can't always we can't rest on our laurels. Exactly. Because right. that's what happened to what was your your mother in law's podcast, right? The hot dish, pearls and hot dish, pearls and hot dish. It yep. lasted one episode. Boom, weren't done the tubes. That's right. That's you know. right. You gotta keep it fresh. If you don't keep it fresh, that's where you'll end up. You'll, you gotta end, you'll it, end up with pearls and hot. You dish. gotta keep it fresh. You have to offend your audience yep. as regularly as possible. Yep. My motto. And use social media as aggressively as you can. Absolutely. You know, that's that's a big key right there, you know, because it was not for social media, Brett. Yes. People would not really be able to, they wouldn't be able to find us as easy. True. Right? True. <clears throat> True. So we'd so, like to thank our Facebook. Yes. So we got. For helping us. That's right. So we've got our international man of mystery who's going to check in, Miles Wetzel. Is he called to, yet? Uh, no, but I'm waiting for the uh, the hotline to, to ringy-dingy any moment. He's probably three, three bourbon and... Well, I think he's a bachelor this weekend, from what I understand. So he had work to do, and then he was going to get into the afternoon. He's flat on his face on the floor of the kitchen. So, and and then we have got a special set of reports uh, referencing the IHGF championships from several weeks back in France. Yeah, we have our our good friend and my favorite uh, correspondent, uh, the one, the only. Chad Olam. Chad Olam. And Miles, actually, being the international man of mystery, charged Chad as our contracted correspondent to be in France and to get some field info out of those. And he got some great stuff. So I can't wait to talk to him about that. And so that is what we're going to do. As far as Facebook shouts, I've been too busy vacationing, so I could care less. I hope, I hope you all threw really well. We're uh, going after 800 likes. We're closing in on 13,000 plays, and that's pretty much it. And for those of you who, you know, attended the Bellingham slash Tacoma games and noticed that in NASGA I may have been a little slow in putting scores in, it's because I've been on vacation. True. So, <laughs> you know, they'll get there when they get there. That's true. That's true. They might not even get there. No, they'll get there. I'm sure they'll Eventually they will. They'll get I'm there. sure yeah. they will. Stop bugging me. You know, they've, if they've stopped bugging because plenty of people have said, you know, let Stop it go. bugging him. Stop bugging him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want to thank all you people who have my back on this. I have not been on Facebook this week, but Brett was reading some of the comments about, you know, uh, what people were saying, and I thought it was pretty funny. Yes, it was. It was good stuff. Yep. So I think uh, unless you've got any other pearls of wisdom for these people. Don't mention that word. Why? You, pearls and hot dish you, lasted one episode, you, and now you want to say pearls on our you show? You love Carol. I do. Christmas Carol. I do love her. Mm-hmm. I do. And your lovely wife, Stephanie. So don't 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 knock it. I'm not knocking. I'm just saying it lasted one episode, and we don't <laughs> want to follow that track. Do you have any words of wisdom okay. for the Fork Talk Nation before we jump over to Miles? About what? Well... Have you learned anything about yourself on your vacation you didn't know before? Yes. What was that? I need to become more flexible. You mentioned that on the last podcast. Yes. yes. And I also need... So that's resonating still. A week later, yep. you still have got the idea that you should try and work on your flexibility. And at 280 pounds, yeah. I swim a lot harder than I did at 235 pounds. <laughs> so True. Yeah. True. 
but I still can swim. Right. Do you sink quicker? Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> when you did that cannonball off the dock, did you hit bottom? I did hit bottom. <laughs> did you see the silt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had seaweed on my head when I was coming out of the coming out of the lake. It looked like a creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> Very good. Well, let us get uh, on the toonie box here to find where Miles is. Okay. And we'll yeah. bring him in on this next bit. Yeah? I, I still think he's probably flat on his face on the kitchen floor. <laughs> well, we'll find him. We out. Out. This is good. This is good. Obviously. <laughs> oh, Gilligan's Island, Mr. Howell. Oh, uh, what? You've got to control yourself and think of something non-sexual. I haven't even touched you yet, and you're turning into this year's tower. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, non-sexual. Right, right. Um, okay. Chairs. <laughs> Good. Chairs. Uh, uh, um, mastodons. Uh, uh, cleaning my bathroom. Dung beetles. Now don't freak out. I'm no. gonna do something to push a threshold. Okay, no. Oh, oh. God, it's cold. Well, what are you doing? I just shoved a trumpet in your ass. Aren't instruments fun? Okay, I think you've just crossed my threshold. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Oh, Big Daddy, you know what that means. Yeah, we know what that music means. That means either uh, Austin Powers just started or... It's the International Man of Mistrois. 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 Mr. Miles Wetzel. Welcome, Miles. Cheers, amigos. Here Cheers he, back at you. Here he is, live from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, is that like getting French and... Uh... In Spanish and like one greeting, cheers, amigos. Yes, much. it is. Yeah, You're, well, you are the international man of mystery, so I would expect yeah. you to be multilingual. How appropriate! It's kind of like Japanese and Mexican. You put them together and you get Japsican. So you say "Domo gracias." <laughs> I'm afraid to touch that in today's politically correct world. <laughs> That's why I'll do it for you. But I want to go out and work in the yard. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Miles, uh, I happen to have a frosty beverage. I hope you have one as well. Cheers to you, brother. Cheers back. I'm enjoying a Heineken, and I've really uh, about kicked this one in the ass. Or I'm going to have to, uh, in the middle of this, maybe go in and start round two. All right. I'm also enjoying some fresh, uh, peeled and clean shrimp with a tangy little uh, cocktail sauce. Oh, he's got a little tangy aioli there for hey, you, Big Daddy. Nothing like a tangy cocktail sauce. I always say that. Yeah. I tell you what, he even when even when the the missus is out of town, this boy eats good. I guarantee you, she preps all that shit for him. He's probably got little <laughs> buckets of food with his name with the on name it. Name and the and, and the, the day. day. This is for Saturday. Yeah, this is lunch. <laughs> and then I uh, kid you not, I'm in the grocery <laughs> store and I've got her on the phone and she's guiding me step by step. That's not Come too in shabby. and turn right, and you're going to be in the bakery. Of course, I got hung up there for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, the bakery th- always throws me for a loop. Chocolate eclairs. Oh, yes. oh, hey now. A brownie cheesecake. Hmm. I could wow. eat that. Yeah. I could eat the hell out of that. Yeah, I thought that went good. I thought that would that would go real good tonight. I'm going with a roasted chicken here uh, after the uh, shrimp appetizer with a. Uh, very large 
baked potato. Oh my so god! The roasted chicken oh. is that one of those rotisserie chickens in the plastic yes, thing? Yes, it is. There, nice. Yeah. Yes, it is. Now, Miles, how do you like your baked potato? What do you like on it? I like a butter and sour cream. Mm, my kind man. Kind of traditional, I guess. A little cheese on her. Uh, not that much. I'm mm. not afraid of it now. Yeah, if yeah, it, well, don't you be. know, if it's there. But as far as me dressing that out, probably just butter and sour cream. And no, no pepper, salt, or bacon anything. bits, no. bacon bits. No, and I'll tell you what, mm. I wouldn't. You wouldn't uh, be any stretch. Just see me with just butter, even. Mm. Well, you know, a good mashed potato with just butter on is always good. But the yeah. sour, the sour cream adds a little. Little aristocratic flavor to it. Well, you know? you know, I'm you know I'm the skinny guy where I need the calories, so it's like, yeah, you know, can I have your sour cream, please? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh-huh. And of course, you, you know, gotta like, where I was shopping in the pudding there, as I was, I wasn't just over in the pudding browsing, and you know, you know, in the in the yogurt today, I was buying. Uh, I was shopping for the pudding that was not the low fat. You know, and they have all these offerings. It's low-fat this, no-fat this, right. you know, whatever. And I finally found some traditional pudding, and I was like, there's the fat I'm looking for. That could be hard to find in these days, you know. It can be. Yeah. That's totally fat true. Fat is yep. not politically correct. Yep. Well, that and sugar, too. Sometimes you want something with just real, old-fashioned sugar in it. That's not a sugar right. substitute, right. just frickin' sugar, because I don't want a lot, just real stuff. And it's hard yeah. to find just give me the basic stuff, because I'm not afraid of the fat there. I need a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, your body's got to be able to recognize it, you know, once in a while, so it can well, if you, shoot it out of you. Well, if you threw this morning in the heat that I expect you have, then you probably needed to put some calories back in the old body anyway. I did. I, I also uh, enjoyed a ham sandwich just to get me through. Oh, nice. You know, just nice. that was kind of a... You know, something, uh, a midway to get you from lunch to the shopping arena and get now into my appetizer. That's a long time. You know, I used to have a friend that used to stop for a cheeseburger at a drive through restaurant on his way to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same guy that just had open heart surgery, is it not? You know what it actually absolutely is. Miles knows him. His name is Corey, and he, that's what he used to do. He'd stop at uh, Frugal's. I go, what are you doing? We're going on our way to dinner. He goes, I got to get it. I'm hungry. I'm like, well, we're going to eat in like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's not long enough. I got to eat. So I'm thinking the Fork Talk Nation should take that as a, that's not necessarily the best thing to do if you don't want quadruple bypass. Well, if you're a lightweight and you want to become a heavyweight, that's probably a good thing to do, right? You know, True. Calories. So. True. True. I had a friend who could eat a quarter pounder with cheese before we could get out the parking lot after he where he would literally just keep cramming it in his mouth where one time, like, some of the stuff came out his nose. Wow. <laughs> now that's eating. You know, yeah, I had a fraternity brother who could snort an oyster up his nose and oh. spit it out his mouth. What? I can do that, too, in the wintertime. It's called a sinus infection. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. He was really popular uh, at a party when he did that. Like, how big of an oyster? Uh, it didn't seem to matter. <laughs> Wow. Better an oyster than a gooey duck. You know, and uh, now it was usually later in the evening when he did this. Sure. And he was probably fully hydrated. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he was. There was no (laughs) chance of dehydration at that point. And uh, he was, his nose, along with the rest of his upper head, was lubricated. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) You know, Big Daddy, I just realized something. Yeah. Although the uh, International Man of Mystery is... um, a wealth of information about 
everything from throwing records to lifting. This sh- this particular segment could almost be called Food Corner. Oh, with it could Miles really. Miles Wetzel. Hold on one second, Angie. Can you grab me a Angry Orchard, please? I feel out of place. We're going to need mu- new music for the food corner. Thank I you, think we're going to. And I do have a food niche, especially like on the board with my blog, where I've got uh, the best food porn. I I think that yeah. we might have to kind of, well, we, I think this might have to evolve a Yeah, we bit. could definitely do it. I'll tell you, because, um, you know, Brett, Brett doesn't, uh, he doesn't troll Nazga as much as I do. And uh, if you look at uh, Miles's page training his blog yeah yeah. it'll be you know a couple days of training here and then this beautiful picture of like a steak hanging off the plate you know mm. macaroni and cheese mm. uh big glass of sweet tea right next to it i mean mm. and it's a great looking picture it looks like a picture you would find if you walked into a restaurant yeah food, how about the kebabs last time <clears throat> slathered oh, yeah. with mushrooms up on top of them yeah i saw that one too wow uh, yeah pretty much everybody's off the hook insane she cooked the kebabs on the grill and then had the sautéed mushrooms in the butter that she piled on top of them when she served it. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. Bam. Well, see, we've been and we've been eating. We've been at the lake on vacay, and we've been eating good every night. Last night mm. we had I made walleye tacos. In a spicy sauce that Stephanie put on there, grilled those babies up. Big Daddy had a nice beer bratwurst. Oh, yeah. Minnesota nice. bratwurst. Mm. Cheryl goes on vacation like to her mom's, and I lose weight. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you dramatic. what. Dramatic. I'm on vacation, and I guarantee you, Miles, I came on vacation at about 275, and I'm pretty sure I'm about 280, at least three or four, because I've been doing nothing but eating. Nothing but eating. That's right. But it's cool because, you know, it's Midwest. I'm getting my Midwest food on. You ate a bunch of corn, a bunch of sweet oh, corn. Oh, sweet corn off the yin-yang. You had some uh, cheese curds, deep-fried yep. cheese curds. That's very Midwest. About every day for like a week I did. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Every you've place been, that I had them, I grabbed them. You've been going to the candy store every couple of days to pile on the candy. I spent $50 at the candy store in town here. At least you got your priorities right. Got that right. <laughs> It'd take me a year to gain nine pounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd take that long at least. Uh, speaking of sweet corn, uh, let's give a nod to today is a sweet corn festival. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it really? Yes. Where do they the, throw uh, that one now, Miles? Suburbs of Springfield, Illinois, put on by the ancient athletic groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Moore and, of course... Is that Merle? Maker Merle Lawless? Up there. Merle Lawless? Merle Lawless. Yep, the man. Merle is the man. Merle was voted, I believe, four times homecoming king uh, in it, when he was in high school. Really? All four years, yes. Wow, that is a record. That's got to be some kind of record. Well, there's only five guys in the school. Like He was class president, all the stuff, man. Wow. Merle is the man. He is the man. He's a good uh-huh. dude. Jay was reminding me yesterday, Miles, of when um, we were in South Carolina for the Worlds, and he's throwing sheaf, and both of us were super jacked to throw sheaf, and both stunk it up terrible, something terrible, which was very disappointing. And at one point, you were just so aggravated, you yelled out, must be the bag, some <laughs> crap bag that was made. And, of course, who's his judge? Merle, sitting there. It's like, yeah, must be. <laughs> 
Yeah, you didn't miss a freaking. You didn't miss a second. I said, "Must be this crap bag we're throwing with." And Merle looked at me. He said, "Yeah, probably." <laughs> yeah, we weren't used to it because it was a square bag. Well, I wasn't yeah, used to it. Was, Merle was, makes a tight little square like that. We're. Uh, I can honestly, be used to that little cube. I can honestly say it was not the bag. I mean, we. I think we opened at twenty-two. Everybody opened at twenty-two that day. Yeah. And um, I think I went out at like 24. It was my worst sheep day ever. And the funny thing was, Miles, um, so, you know, Haas and I, we have, we have a, a, a whole collection of forks. And at that time, we, we had probably five, I think. We packed three in a... Um, <laughs> That's funny right there. What was that? <laughs> it was a... In a hockey bag. A hockey bag. Hockey a hockey stick, stick bag. bag. Yeah. And he fixed the, he put some wooden things in there to keep them separate. I mean, this thing was amazing. Oh, they were in there like babies. Oh, they looked, mm-hmm. we've got pictures of it. But, yeah, we, we, we bring all three of those beautiful forks in the whole nine yards, and we both sucked. Yeah, yep. So. yep. So. Let me tell you a quick Merle story. Oh, please. After the heart surgery, all the stuff, when I'm, you know, on the couch, I'm deciding, like, hey, I'm going to come back here. I'm going to try and throw in everything, and I need a sheep bag. I don't even have a bag. Nothing to throw with right then anymore. Uh, I don't remember how it was, but Merle knows I don't have a bag. And the worlds are coming, and I'm going to go to uh, Denver for that. All of a sudden on my porch, there's a sheep bag, brand new, nice beautiful cube merle bag mailed just right just put right on my porch where i practiced with that and that's when at denver i broke the world record in the sheep because they used not because but it helped they were using merle bags it's nice to train with what you're going to use in the competition for sure it was very nice it was a definite advantage and it was a major factor uh if you listen here here i go Keep. Ah, there we go. Mm, Number two. Another crack. I just, yeah. uh, uh, because of the peer pressure, I just cracked an angry orchard. So, uh, All right. So well, I, then, I set aside my Sprite, and now I'm drinking angry. Well, we can cheers then. Cheers oh, to you. Cheers, cheers to you as well. Cheers, cheers. Clink. Yeah, that's Clinky. just the stress of the day is just unloading out of me right now. I feel fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's so stressful here on the lake. <laughs> I know. We're not sure. You know, I mean, I are we going to take a ten? Are we going to take three cocktail cruises or two? <laughs> Miles, I've taken more naps in this past week than I've taken in ten years. Um, you know, just little I power cat nap. naps. I am not afraid of a nap, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think a nap's really good for you. Of course, bo- being born in the South, my forefathers showed me how to nap. Good day. My uncle, uh, R.D., I'd go stay with him, and he'd, we'd have lunch, and he'd say, I'm going over to the little house. He was very well off and had a smaller little house that he practiced veterinarian, his veterinarian work out of occasionally very little work. But he, <laughs> he'd say, I'm going over to the little house for a 15-minute back-to-back. And that was him laying down for a half-hour nap. <laughs> <laughs> but what you didn't know, and neither did my Aunt Mita, is he had a little desk there within the desk. He had a little, uh, little bottle of bourbon, and he'd have a little bracer oh, yeah. after lunch and lay down and cool out. And, you know, I think he lived to about, like, 97. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. 
They're all. They're uh, all. That's the man, good shit. The man really was ahead of his time and many things in life. And uh, just just really uh, had life by the tail while he was away at the war. Uh, Aunt Mita had invested all their money in Standard Oil. <laughs> and he came out of the war and uh, never worked again. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> and hoping it happens with Angie. I hope that you know one day she invests in something like, say, the lottery. It's unbelievable. You know, and then wins it. And I can tell uh, I want to go F themselves. <laughs> the guy was tremendous. It really was... Uh, he he was just a lot of fun to you know my mom and dad would let me go up and stay with him over the summer for a few weeks with them and i would uh it was just really wild living out in the country way out in the country in southwest georgia and peanut farming area you know well i'm pretty sure that if uh if i quit my job next week and came to live here on this lake uh i'd probably live to be 120 because it's, it's so freaking calm and nice and, you know, just really, just really, just beautiful weather, you know. That's the whole reason you know? why I live in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and no longer live down in South Florida is because of the atmosphere and the people. I mm-hmm. was going to kill something or be killed or down there, and I will live longer being here as it's so much more... You, low key you use the cruise control here <laughs> there's a button on your steering wheel where you push that and the car just goes the same speed where i'd never use that in south florida yeah you gotta use a brake all the time in south florida probably you know it's your car to car to car i don't care where you're at you're in traffic <laughs> miles doesn't even drive when he's got the cruise control on he's in the back having a having a toddy man that it up drives here, itself he, pretty much you don't have to sweat anything up here. It is people are so laid back. It is so nice here. We're uh, it's a whole nother world. I was going too fast through a town here, and the cop was passing, going the other way, and he turned his lights on and pointed at me. <laughs> nice. I slowed down. Well, it saves them having to get out of the car in ninety-five degree heat. You know. You know, we're just—it's just, it's just uh, so much more laid back. Sounds good. I want to go, Big Daddy. I never actually spent any time Tuscaloosa? in Alabama. I've never spent any time in Alabama. In barbecue. Mm. Yeah, we uh, we definitely could make that a hit on one of our lists. Nobody sure. barbecues better than they do here. Ooh. No place. We're, there is multiple places here, depending on the type of cue you like, you know, whether it's vinegar-based or, mm. you know, tomato sugar-based or, you know, whatever. Uh, and, we have tremendous barbecue. And all different kinds of cuts, like, you know, ribs or, or brisket or shoulder or whatever. And we have the, you know, you've heard of Dreamland Barbecue? No. No. Dreamland Barbecue is where, in the heyday of college football with Bear Bryant, Keith Jackson would come here to announce the games, and afterwards, Bear Bryant and Keith Jackson would go out together carousing, and they would go to Dreamland to eat barbecue. Mm. And it was a house over here in a area of town, and for a long time it was known, and now it's grown into a little bit of a chain, but 
it's legendary because of Keith Jackson and Bear Bryant. Hmm. I like this theme we're going on here. I love that we keep going back to food. I, remember throwers it? like to eat. That's true. And we're all over the country throwing, and we usually find as good a place as possible to chow while we're there. Yeah, usually Austin and I, we always make sure we scout out places to eat whenever we're going to be somewhere. I always make reservations at Chili's. And I dissuade him to <laughs> not go to Chili's. And then he poo-poos it. So yeah. I say, we're not going to frickin' Chili's. We're going to go somewhere where they got some cool atmosphere and some unique food. And you know what? Miles, every time we eat at Chili's, he fucking loves it. No. Every damn time. Like I told you, I love watching you eat in your element. Well, whatever. Because it's like, I don't know, watching a circus seal. <laughs> what is it you like at Chili's? They got these, these uh, they're like a tangy um, chicken strip thing. Processed and Shut up. slathered in fake crap. Once you get past the beak, everything tastes fine. <laughs> and it's like a Thai sauce on it or whatever. That's like an appetizer they have. And those things are fantastic. And then they've got a whole bunch of other little cool things. Their appetizers, to me, are my favorite part. You know, and then they got a few other things too on the menu that I like. But he loves the way they microwave that shit back to life. But they don't have a they don't have a Chili's here where we live in in Washington. You know, so when I get out this, you know, when I get out to the south or or whatever, we're in Pleasanton. I like to go to Chili's. So, <laughs> but what I didn't do, I can't take him anywhere, Miles. That's I didn't crazy. go to Chili's when Angie and I had an opportunity to go to Chili's when we were in Wisconsin because we decided we we're going to go to other places that you know we didn't we'd never been at before or they were at you know thirty years ago. Of course, you don't want to go to a chain when you're traveling. I'm not sure they have a Chili's here. That's a good thing. That means they got high class caliber. Down well, there. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Miles. The next time. Uh, Next time me and the old Hossie are, are hanging around going throwing somewhere, I'll go to Chili's. He can go next door to whatever what place he wants to go to, which is probably Applebee's or you know, <laughs> Burger King or some shit. Gross. No. No, 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 no. No, he Chili's likes... Chili's has Heineken. He likes... Oh, there you go. <laughs> See? Yeah, he, he likes BW3, Buffalo Wild Wing. That's, that's his favorite place. That is true. That is my guilty chain. Really? Yeah, the, the dude cuts down my Wings. chilies, but he'll go to that, that freaking, they got a thousand stores. I'm not it. sure you stepped up a notch with Buffalo Wild Wings. Thank you. Thank wow. you. I think you stepped down one if you ask me. I, I got to tell you, I believe that's true. <laughs> and I don't even know if the atmosphere is that good. It's a big yeah. room with TVs around the edges. You're right. And they got a bunch of, you know, these little 20-year-old waitresses who can't... Remember your easy order, which is just wings. You know, and they get it wrong every time. They asked me for ID when I was going to buy alcohol there. <laughs> I was like, you know, That's really? <laughs> I mean, seriously? All right. Well, what are we looking at there, uh, Hossie? Well, we've talked about food. Yep. We've talked about um, this and that. We've cracked a few cold ones, and we've heard from the International Man of Mystery. It's probably Let's time training real quick. Let's talk it. Go. Uh, have you heard of the Miller boys, Brady and Brent Miller? Have you heard of those guys? Yep. Yep. Ho-hum, record after record, whoop-dee-doo. Yes, crushing <laughs> records. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent would be crushing more records also, except he's had some injuries this year, but he's got the green light. Both of them were throwing today at the Sweet Corn Festival up in Illinois. 
anyway, uh, I drove up to their house three weeks ago just to train with them on a Saturday. It's only about a four-hour drive. Drove up four hours, through for four hours, and then drove back. Uh, those guys are incredible. Brent can break you down everything with your throwing. Brady, you know, it just was a ball throwing with them, man. We just had so much fun laughing and throwing. And, uh, you know, I've been throwing 15 years, I guess, and still learned just so much and came home so excited. Uh, can't say enough. Just was great, man. Had so well, much fun. That was nice of them to actually take the time to throw with you and, you know, hang out with you and all that fellowship type stuff. That's cool. Brady is a great host. He's got a place to throw right there in his backyard. Brent doesn't live far from him. Uh, on my blog, you saw where I posted the pictures inside Brady's garage of his equipment and his training stuff, and where he throws is right out in back of it. And he's got sheaf towers where uh, we threw the sheaf. And uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, baby. Very cool. Nice. I was up at 32, uh, right there on the tower. You got a video? Or, uh, you got a video of that? <laughs> I've got a couple witnesses. I have witnesses don't matter. It's video that counts. <laughs> and you know that too, Miles. And they're world champion witnesses. You know what? You're a world champion too, so you know what? I don't care. If, you know, the only thing would have been better if you had Dusty Rhodes there. Dusty Rhodes is dead. <laughs> you know, that would have been the only thing more confirming the, is having the dusty roads there. That's right, baby. Ghost, the ghost yeah. of dusty roads. Get that little speech impediment in there, Miles. <laughs> little dusty roads. That's what I'm talking about, baby. He's got too much tongue for his mouth. I'm dusty roads, ladies and gentlemen. American dream. <laughs> People's champion. Love it. It's true. Most of today's superstars stole all their shtick from that guy. Him and uh, superstar Billy Graham. He was real. I saw Dusty Rhodes wrestle in the Orange Bowl. Saw superstar Billy Graham wrestle Harley Race, best two out of three with an hour time limit, and it ended in a tie with superstar bleeding heavily down that blonde hair. As usual. <laughs> he barely survived the match. That's true. It was I, incredible. I have video of that match. Fantastic. My dad took me to that as a youth, and it uh, was a major influence in my life. That's how I know that that match actually happened, Miles, because I had video of it. Kind of <laughs> like, you know, when you throw something or you lift something, you know, if you got video, it's actually proof. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy That's cow. all right. When I throw the sheaf high, you'll be there looking at it for proof. Yeah. Oh. We'll make sure we video it too. Amen, brother. We've had we've had sheafing, we've had uh, training, we've had eating, we've had toasting, and we've had the international man of mystery as always giving us the love. Don't get no better than that. Doesn't get no better than that, Miles. Thanks for checking in. Thanks, we'll, brothers. Love you guys. We'll I love you too, brother. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All Peace right. out. Bye bye.
fucking lousy kisser. What? <laughs> I wasn't trying. That's not fair. <laughs> I wasn't trying there. I'm really, I'm not. No judgment. No. Wait a second, you were trying? Fuck no. You were trying? You were trying. Oh my god. Oh, no, I kissed Jim. Like, oh, god. Cause I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a pontoon boat with a big, beautiful, bald, big daddy. On a boat. Look at me on the lake doing loon shit. <laughs> I'm on a boat and it's not the Edmund Fitzgerald because that cracked up and sunk. Cause it's so crisp. I got my swim trucks and my flippy floppies. I'm riding dolphins and loons and shit. All right, welcome, welcome back, Fork Talk. I love that song. I'm sorry, Lonely Island Rocks. That's your favorite song. Oh my gosh, Luke, it's uh, loon and lake themed. Yes. I got a nautical Afghan. All right, so what are we here for, anyway? <laughs> your entertainment, listening to your stupid song? Yes, I love it. All right, I'll take it down fine. It, this is a special segment. We've got a So I'll listen to Brett, listen to music. Special guest coming in like we talked <laughs> about. On the line with us, hopefully, is the one, the only, Chad Olam. Chad Olam. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Ooh, he sounds good. I like that, you know, I, I the, give him a new nickname, you The know. dulcet tones of yeah. Chad Olam. He's, uh, he's the Mike Rowe of Fork Talk. Right? <laughs> is he? <laughs> Whereas I'm the Morgan Freeman of Fork Talk, right? Right, yes, my of course. voiceover. Yeah. He's the Mike Rowe. Wow, I wonder if it, at some point we should have a special segment where you and he do some... Uh, line reading together. I don't think we should do that. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> Not as a competition so because we're friends. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that. That'd, no. be, that'd be good. We could do though. a duet of some sort, perhaps. There I might be earthquakes. The, the, <laughs> the, the faults would open and the angels would sing when your beautiful baritone voices are yeah. carooning through the airwaves. True. Well, now that you've given us both a verbal blowjob, what are we doing here? <laughs> We are, this is an awesome, as we discussed, this is the podcast all about interviews. We had a nice one with the old Miles Wetzel, International yes, Man of Mystery. did. Um, and this one, we've, it's, uh, we, we actually took a little bit to produce this bit because uh, several weeks ago, uh, Chad got back from the IHGF championships. Yes, he did. That were in yeah. France. They were in France. Yeah. Um, all the che- uh, he was with all the cheese eating surrender monkeys in France, and, and uh, hey, we're gonna keep up foreign relations, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, and Chad, tell, tell us about it. I mean, what, how what was the deal? How did you get involved? Why were you there? Well, I mean, this you know, this, I could tell a long story, or uh, the the short story is you we know, got about came... twenty minutes total. Okay, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do the short. All right. So, uh, you know, Francis and I, have, I've become friends with Francis and Ryan uh, and, and done some events with them over the years. And last year they were planning on this championship, uh, having the world championships in, in Brest Weir. And he said, hey, um, 
if, if you want to come over, if you can do something with the field crew or help us judge, you know, we can we can put you up and and get you over there. And I said, and, and Al was Al was with me, my buddy Al Meyer. So so yeah, I mean, what? How could you turn that down? Yeah, no kidding. Eh? So, I mean, that's the the super short version is uh, we've we've done some competitions. I've done the Stones of Strength and helped kind of feel you know feel proud that I helped get that started. Uh, it was in the inaugural event and then did some events with them last year over in Europe and. And so it kind of led to that. Cool. Yeah, that's the, way, that's the way to do it. We talked about that when we talked to you first on Fork Talk, actually, that we were like, why the hell are you hanging out with Francis Brebner? Because right, don't right. forget, Chad was the one who got Francis to listen to Fork Talk, actually. He did, absolutely. And, yeah. and when we were giving him grief, and he actually thought it was all right. Oh, yeah, he loved it. So, now... He uh, especially so, liked the Donald Denny bit. Yeah, he did. Didn't he? Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> that's that's right. what I played for him. He loved that. <laughs> the... Um, so it's Brassweer? Brassweer. Okay, and where in France is that? It is, um, if you know where, and it's about five hours from Normandy, I guess is the best frame of reference. It was southeast of uh, Nantes. Okay. We flew into Nantes, and then it was about an hour, it was about an hour southeast of there. Okay. So it's in the south, it's the southeast France then? Well... Yeah, I mean, in from the coast. So I mean, it's I would it's not far from the west coast of France. Okay, gotcha. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's, and it's in I mean, France. My, my geography is horrible. Okay, I just wondering. Hey, okay, <laughs> first of all, hey, Big Daddy, yeah. it's France is a very large country in Europe. I'm aware it of that, si- but our listeners are not calling it's in for a geography lesson. They the want size, to know what happened. It's the size of Texas. You want to know? Paris is in the center, and there's shit around the edges. All right, just take it easy. I am taking it easy. I can't take him anywhere. I anyway, apologize, listeners. So you're so you got the invite, which is sweet. Right. So you go over yeah. there, and and what specifically? What, what was the competition that they were holding over there? So they were doing the the professional the the world professional IHGF championships okay. uh, by invite. And I, you know, one of the great things that they have going on is is they really. I mean, this is a true championship. I think there was nine different countries uh, represented. So true world championship. Right, right. Yeah, um, world championship. What I think is, is great that they're promoting it in different areas. You know, they're having it in different countries. They've got Hungary really involved. But, uh, you know, who would have thought? And, and just the scenery, and I, mean, I don't know if you've seen the pictures that, that they put up, but the area that they did the competition is, is just unbelievable. You're in the courtyard of this uh, thousand-year-old castle, right? And there's nothing else. I mean, there was one competition – it was all centered around the games. They had a field that the crowd would sit on, and the crowd was outstanding. I mean, I was really impressed with with how into the into the competition they were on Saturday and a Sunday. The weather didn't cooperate, hmm. but there were still, I think, at least three thousand people that came out. There was eight thousand on Saturday. They expected Sunday to be a bigger day. Wow! But it just poured rain on us hmm. the whole time. Uh, but it was a, it was a it was a great competition. It was one of the most exciting competitions that I've been around the way it played out and, and to be front and center. And, and I was actually marking all day and side judging caber. So, you know, I was pretty heavily involved on that side of it. So it was, it was a lot of fun to watch and, hmm. and be around. Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's a lot of work too. Very cool. Definitely. And so I worked my tail off two days. <laughs> well, you know, you, that's, I would expect nothing else as a representative <laughs> of the sport. Yeah, because okay. he's the man. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. So, so oh. you were you were uh, dubbed and branded and 
and given the uh, honor from the International Man of Mystery and Fork Talk to go out there and be a correspondent for us so that we had eyes and ears on the ground, uh, which was fantastic. You worked hard. The check's in the mail. We we paid big at Fork Talk, real big. So you'd probably be able to take at least uh, an hour or two off. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We can't wait. A month. Um, so, and, and you, and you got a bunch of, so we got a, gr- a ton of great <laughs> interviews and I think if we, as yeah, we just... I know I overdid it on that, but it was, it was so much fun, you know, and, and it, you know, the amazing thing is, is how worldwide Fort Talk is now. Yeah, I mean, baby. You know, well, and you know, Brian Vieira told me never to name drop, but guys like Sinclair Patience, Jonah McFarland, Scott Ryder, they all said that the same thing. Anytime I mentioned Fort Talk, they all wanted to know. They just couldn't stop talking about that Abraham Lincoln bit. It's amazing. <laughs> I told you. That's yeah, all over. Worldwide. Love it. Love it. I know Sinclair Patience himself came up to me in Pleasanton and said the same thing. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. good stuff. Well, yeah, so um, so Chad sent, uh, has got a ton of great interviews, Big Daddy, that we're gonna that we've listened to, and right. we're gonna chat about, and I'm gonna play here for the Fork Talk Nation. Um, let's break it up though into a couple different things. So let's first let's start out with I'm gonna play here the first couple. Uh, these are bits uh, from Dan McKim and John O. McFarlane. Yeah, mm, John from, from New Zealand. So let's let's play those. Uh, Dan McKim, of course, a U.S. champion, and uh, John O's from New Zealand. Play those, and we'll come back and chat about them. Sweet. Okay. Sounds good. good to me. All right, here on the field with Dan McKim. Dan, uh, I know you've had some, some travel issues so far. Can you <laughs> can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm still waiting for my bag, which isn't too big of a deal, I guess, other than it's all my throwing gear. Yeah, so, so hopefully it'll be here before tomorrow. Yeah, I still got a day, so uh, they said it's on the way. It's supposed to be delivered here at the castle, so you can't figure that's too hard to find in the <laughs> yeah. castle. So, But uh, yeah, no, it's not bad. I had some clothes in another bag, so I'll be yeah. all right. Well, talk talk about what the, the venue's like and oh, just kind of where we're at. It's amazing, especially when you walk into a place that's a thousand years old and you think of what four times yeah. <laughs> as old as our country is um, yeah. in america so it is it is amazing it's humbling it's just an amazing venue uh the language barrier is something to uh to, it's been tough yeah to get over <laughs> but uh but it's been awesome it's been an amazing venue to be here good <laughs> all right still here with dan dan i i see on facebook it looks your, looks like your off season's going well uh, you haven't had a competition yet, but but uh, tell us how you're feeling coming into this. Yeah, that's not been ideal, but uh, just just kind of how it's gone. You know, mm-hmm. I, this has been my best off season, I think overall. Leg strength, as ever, some people know, it's kind of always been a struggle <laughs> for me. Little chicken legs, but uh, my legs are bigger and stronger than they've ever been. Um, my my cleans are good, and my snatches is, is up there. So that kind of those are usually good good measuring sticks for mm-hmm. me to know where I'm throwing. Practice has been really good. I've been really pleased with how things are going in practice and. Uh, my distances and just feeling and rhythm. Um, just haven't been able to get a games in. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go to some go to games or two, and then they were they were canceled in terms of the pro class, and so that kind of was a disappointment. But uh, you know what? I've been doing this long enough. If I can't figure out how to do it now, then right. I don't deserve to be here. Now, I don't know if you can hear in the background, but they're they got a jack planer over on. Um, <laughs> they're working on the challenge caber for tomorrow. I think it started out, and I'm not exaggerating. Started off at 300 pounds. They're hoping to work it down to 170. Uh, what do, what do you think about that being a world challenge caber? 
Oh, that's a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They said uh, no matter what they do right now, they think it'll be the heaviest caber ever turned in right. competition. But I think they're going to get down fine. The sun's coming out. It's going to dry out a little bit. So it'll be a beautiful stick one way or the other. Great. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Good luck yeah, tomorrow. Thank you. All right. One more time with Dan McKim. I, I forgot to ask Dan about the sheaf. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on the sheaf? Would you like to see the sheaf here in, in Bresswear? Oh, well, that's a difficult question there, Chad. I think it's hard anytime you run into international comp uh, to try to introduce um, the sheath. It gets tough because guys just don't get to practice yeah. it. I think what we probably need to do is to start some kind of campaign to where <laughs> we encourage sheath across the world and not just in North America. Yeah, I mean, I think sheath demos would be great. Um, oh, yeah. I know the, the guys, Jay and, and Haas, have had some su success, I believe, I think in Pleasanton. They're doing a sheep demo, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we did one last year. Yeah. It was a demo. Yeah, it yeah. went well. People just like to see something go high. Right. They, and they can judge it. It's easy for them to see a hammer. Exactly. They can't judge. They can't judge this. They, they don't know what a good no. throw, uh, throw in the hammer, this, anything, but you can tell if something goes over a bar. It's really easy. You're right. Weight over bar, caber, and sheep are the most crowd-friendly. Crowd-pleasing, absolutely. All right. There you go from Dan McKim. We need to introduce more international sheep tossing. Thank you. Dan, starting off the first event in eighth place, I mean, that was a fantastic comeback. Gutty, I mean, I've seen comebacks, but not in a, and not in a stacked uh, a stacked field like this. Just what, what, do, you, what do you think of it? Oh, man, that was, uh, it was a crazy ride, man. I mean, you and I talked about it earlier, just, just making some adjustments to how I was wrapping my wrist and everything, mm -hmm. something I should have... I changed a couple weeks ago. I shouldn't have. It's yeah. one of those things where you learn. It's like, you know what? You're not going to mess with stuff beforehand. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I made that adjustment with my second throw in the Braymore, and I was able to get a, get a good one off. So that helped uh, a lot. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, man, it was just... Just trying to, when you're coming from behind, you know, it's yeah. just kind of keep coming, chasing keep coming, it. chasing it the whole time, man. But it was, it, and it was back and forth all day. I think there was several ties and lead changes. Uh, talk, yeah. talk about just how you've been treated all week, and and the IHGF, you know, just a, as a championship, how how this, how this is, you know, what this means to you. No, this was huge. This was a, a amazing venue. It was an amazing time. People were awesome. Uh, the judges were top notch. Uh, by all, all, all the time. Uh, I, I, I was a judge. I'm, oh, oh I'll throw that over, out there. I don't know if right, you knew that or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they were. It was awesome. The venue was amazing, and, and just the people here, the Ice Chef. Uh, just so thankful for them putting the groundwork in for this years ago. And that's what people need to realize too: yeah. is that this is this groundwork was laid years ago to make this happen. Years ago, or to even make this happen this time, and the opportunity that we have as throwers for this. Is awesome, and mm -hmm. it is uh, it is something I'm very very thankful for. And I, I mean, I you know, obviously I've never thrown as a pro, but do you? All, I mean, really that you know, accommodations taken care of for leading up to this for several days, and I, I to me it's it's first class. I you know, I, like I said, I don't have a lot of experience in, in this, but uh, every every time I've been with the ICF, it's been the same. Yeah, that's what was great. Is I flew in on a Tuesday, landed on a Wednesday. Somebody picked me up from the airport, yep. drove me an hour and a half here. And, yeah. uh, and just from there, I was able to, I stayed at a host family's home. I didn't have to pay, buy any food. Right. Everything was taken care of. And to be treated like that in a sport that we're in is very rare. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it we take for granted sometimes that it is a very amazing and very humbling experience. Absolutely. All right, thanks, Dad. Congratulations again. <laughs> All right, here in uh, Brestware, I'm talking to Jono McFarland. Jono has actually listened to Fork Talk a few times, so tell us... You know, tell us about yourself and then what you know about the show and then maybe what you think about Sheath. 
Yeah, so uh, I've, I've won the New Zealand Champs the last two years, largely because uh, Pat Helio, the 17-time New Zealand <laughs> Champion, retired. Um, so, like, I was next in line. Uh, so, uh, this is kind of my first time doing Highland Games uh, as, as my sole focus. Um, so, I, I've basically done track, I've done Olympic weightlifting, I've done powerlifting, I've done strongman, I've done submission grappling, and... I did some Highland Games, and uh, I think at 28 years of age, I finally landed on a sport that I could be good at. So I'm, I'm doing a bit of, bit of, uh, bit of Highland Games now. Um, yeah, and I, I listened to a few episodes of uh, a sports talk. I, I knew Jay uh, O'Neill, Cynthia Arms, uh, going back <laughs> way, going back onto the Murundi Muscle Forum uh, years and years ago. Uh, so yeah, entertaining. Uh, you need to have Mark Valenti on more often. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as far as Sheaf, um, well, we just did the Oceania Highland Games Champs a few weeks, uh, a few months ago, and uh, there was two guys that came out from Scotland, and they'd done you know well over a hundred games. And I'm having to teach Scottish guys <laughs> how to throw Sheaf. <laughs> That tells you everything you need to yeah. know about the event. It's not traditional and it's stupid. Oh. It is stupid. Oh. I have, I, you know, two two games back to back. I bummed out on the sheaf and then I won it the very next game with like a thirty-six foot throw. Okay, there was just no skill involved. Okay, it's blind luck Jonah, and a you, little you know bit this, of power. And did I mention before the the name of the show is called Fork? Talk. Fork talk. So it's based around the sheep. I think it's the dumbest event ever. I'm good at it, but it's dumb. Oh, that's unfortunate. They might cut this interview okay. after that. But. <laughs> All right, I, I had to cut the last interview short because I mispronounced Jono's name and he put me in an arm bar. So it is Jono, not Jono, or as Francis calls him, Juno, but Jono McFarland. So wanted to get a, a, a top three countdown, uh, you know, Letterman style. With, with you on the sheaf. Right, right. Okay. So my top three tips on sheaf. Number one, have a cue. For me, my cue is a car accident, you know? It's not how, you gotta go, like a bad car accident, you're going really, really fast, okay? And then you stop really, really quickly, okay? okay. And that's what you want in the sheaf. You want to be really, really fast, and then you want to stop really, really quickly so the sheaf flies off. The sheaf is like a bad car accident. <laughs> okay. okay. There we go. So that's Dan, Dan Kim's writing this down in the background. Dan Kim's writing this down. Second. Second tip for the, uh, for the sheaf, I, I would say... Uh, just use the same fork and put the uh, put the fork the prongs in the same spot on the bag. Just yeah. be consistent that way. I see a lot of guys just swapping forks between. Just use the same thing so you have a bit of consistency. Very important. And uh, my my third tip, you know, pray because <laughs> you just never know where that thing's going. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Jono. Okay, we're back. We're back. Man alive. Those. First of all, shouts getting the sheaf coverage oh well you, you got to right yes uh, so first of yeah, all i didn't I've, think, never, huh? I've never heard specifically dan Kim mention if he likes sheaf or not but he obviously does and and acknowledges that you know wob and sheaf are the crowd favorites and should you yeah. know be entered in in some way um you know even if even if they're just um an exhibition so that people can start to get right. a feel for them yeah 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Dan, if, if you've never seen Dan Toshib, um, that guy is, I mean, he's such a powerhouse. And I remember uh, several years ago, Tom uh, Van Vleck had a game, and he had a, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, a fork, you know, that would, you could, there was no limit on how high it'd go. And those guys, he let those guys throw a 16-pound bag. And I think we had the, the bar at 40 feet, and they were tossing the 16-pounder at that. And I don't know if they ever got it over, but, you know, I had some great pictures up on top of the hill. It was it was crazy, Sean and Dan going after 40 feet. Hmm, that's I mean, cool. they, were, they were up there. And, and that is nuts. He was seven points behind on the day one and came back? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – that was crazy. I mean, he – you know, I talked to Dan, and, I, and I've been around Dan since he started, and, you know, he's always got a, he's always having fun with the games, and you could just tell that really got in his head, obviously. You know, he he came over, you know, like everybody, and I heard Matt Business say, you know, he didn't come over for second place, but wanted to win. And, you know, you start off in eighth place in one of his better events, and, and I mean, he was just down the whole day on the first day. And, and you know, uh, we, we talked to him some, and, and, he, and he won the keg toss at the end of the day. And Al and I talked about it, and it was like, you could just tell he started having fun again. And he, you know, he did what he had to do. It was it was an unbelievable competition. I'm great throws. Matt came back several times, you know, where he was he was way down in the order on Hammer or one of them. And I think, I think on the heavyweight, he was sitting in fifth place. And then on his last throw, moved up to second or... I mean, yeah. it was back and forth. It was it was a it was a lot of fun to be around. Well, but Vincent probably thought, oh, you know, after day day one, that first event where you know Feeling Dan good, yeah. gets seven points, he's probably like, hmm, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, this, yeah. This, this might be a lot easier now, you know, and then uh, yeah. not wow. so much. And of course, I love. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was I was going to move on to John on if you unless you got yeah, something yeah, sure. else to say about Dan. Nah. So the. I love, of course, that you like Bobo the Monkey Ball. Where he messed up his name to start with. That was good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny because Francis butchers everybody's name, and he kept calling him Juno. Yeah, but nobody can tell time. when Francis speaks because they right, can't understand what right, he says. Because <laughs> exactly. And so he, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'll blame it on Francis, but uh, yeah, I screwed his name up a couple times. I, I'm sure more than that, but now, I think I, I think I got it now. Now, and and of course he gave you shouts, Big Daddy, because you know him from the Jesse Marundi crew, right? Of yeah. some note. Yeah, yeah but, John was a good dude. He, he was a. I'll tell you, he, he doesn't give himself much credit, but he as an Olympic weightlifter, he was uh, uh, he was elite in his in his total for Olympic weightlifting. Now, how serious was he relevant to his saying Sheaf sucked? He wasn't. He was. He oh, he was talking cheek. Yeah, I think he was talking cheek with that. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. what I got from the interview. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good dude, man. He's always and he's he's so young, but he, you know, I I remember chatting back and forth with him back when he was even younger, and he was just, you know, in that day, in, in those days, he was strictly Olympic lifting. And uh, yeah, he, he, he's done a lot of different things. Obviously. Oh, he would he would post his videos, and he just had some amazing like uh, box jerks, you know, four hundred plus pounds. You know, the, the kid's amazing. His squats were ridiculous. But, yeah. What was going on in the background, though? It sounded like you were at a dentist office or something. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked because this was a lot of fun in it. So <laughs> they had brought in, they bust in a bunch, I think like over two days they bust in 500 kids, uh, French French kids. And so they had, different, uh, they had different stations set up. Francis was doing a history of the games. They'd have an interpreter. And then and then they were having some of the athletes out throwing. You know, and, and well, it was, it was strictly demonstration. You know, we weren't put much into it or the guys and you know al and i were like those guys don't need to be messing around with this too much so we were doing a lot of it um 
but so that so that was going on. I got to tell a funny story really fast about Francis too. So you know, you I don't know if you've seen pictures, but Francis is, you know, he's he's had the arms forever, but he is even more cut than I've ever seen him. He's been working out real hard and dieting. Yeah, we yeah. saw that fifty-year-old picture. Yeah, yeah. So he gives me crap all the time about being fat and and putting on weight, and so so he would he would flex for these kids. And I mean, you know, he's he's got a bodybuilding background, and his arms are getting there again. And so these kids, every time you could just hear it was just he would flex for him, and it was like oh. <laughs> and so so we got separated. He was at the bottom of this hill, and I was at the top. And and I walk at the top of this hill, and I hear him going. You gotta, you know, you, you gotta, you got diet. You gotta work. You know, you know, he's doing all this stuff, and and then you can look like this, or if you eat too many carbs, too much fat, you're gonna look like this. And he points at me, and all these about fifty heads turn and are looking right at me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddy. What Thanks. a jack wagon, jack wagon. <laughs> of course, you should have showed a picture of him when he was in his prime, and he was like three hundred and ten pounds at five foot yeah, exactly. ten, right? Yeah. That's right. He was a little. He was a little boxy then. Well, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a a bowling ball. His nickname was the Tank, right? Frank yeah, the Tank yeah. or something. That's right. So he ate a few carbs yeah. in his day. All right. Yeah, well, he had plenty of carbs. So that was a, right. that's a sweet couple first interviews to kick this off with. Let's go now to uh, you got some good stuff from Al Myers, your buddy, yep. and um, and Matt Doherty. Doherty. Um, who who did well? Came in, I think, third overall. Third. Yeah, third, yeah. yeah. So, I got to the podium. Yeah, all right, was... so let's go. Let's go out to that. We know him, of course, because he throws in our world occasionally. Uh, yeah. We out to that. All right, now, now, Al, you held the. Sh- we're we're talking to Fork Talk here. I'm I'm with Al Myers here, former professional athlete. You held the world sheep record. Um, well, Chad, i got to correct you. It was just the American record. Oh, the American record. It was record. not the world record. And this was days before the Internet. Well before the Internet. Internet. Yeah. Al's an and old, old, old guy. So. And, and, and it got broke before any, it could even get reported. Yeah. So, so it got so, broken between uh, newsletters. That's correct. So, I mean, so it, it never was, really it was, happened. It was, well, technically for just a very short period okay. of time. Okay. <laughs> But, uh, now, what was the what was the height, and, and was it a twenty pound bag at the time? A sixteen pound bag and okay. thirty five feet with a six with a sixteen with a sixteen okay. pound bag. Oh. Yes. Well, that's not too bad. Yes, and that was and that was done before the days of the spinners. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was, was a stand. That was a standing throw. So. Okay. All right. So, so can I interrupt you? Al? Now, was this thirty five feet for distance into the barn? No, no, no. This was for thirty five feet straight up. Now, so, I, I will say, Al. Yeah, I've never seen anybody throw like Al, and we were talking to Doug McDonald earlier. Doug went as far away from the standards as anybody I've ever seen. I mean, you know, he probably ended up throwing the thing 40 feet for distance. Al was behind the bar, if anything, I well, think. I, I knew that I had to put all my energy straight, straight up. up. Straight up. Straight <laughs> yeah. up, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't get in. I've never seen anybody throw like Al, yeah. and I've never seen anybody throw quite like Doug. But, Two yeah. extremes on the sheath. Well, congratulations, Al. Well, thank you, Chad, for letting me be part of this interview. <laughs> That's the question. <clears throat> All right. We're here with Al Myers. He's a somewhat of a historian because, you know, I think I mentioned earlier he's really he's really old. So, Al, uh, you got a lot of history in the game. Started throwing in 85. Uh, you were just giving us some trivia. Well, I was just telling a little bit of story about when I started. At that point, um, you know, the Sheaf has always been one of my favorite events. And I'll mention that here before talk, but... At that point, uh, at that the, the the swing style had not really developed yet. At that point, we were still doing the push style, which was an old style. And uh, at that point, the world record holder 
quite interesting was held by a Scott, yep. Alistair Gunn, at 27 and a half. Okay. And he came over to the States and thought the push style looked not like the right way to do it and started swinging. And that's really... I, I using the flick? Yeah, dude, using the flick. And I give Alistair credit for really starting that technique. Yeah, yeah it was, I mean... You know, again, talking to Al as, as, an, as an old old thrower, um, people used to just kind of take one hand and just really just to push it over the bar, so there really wasn't, yep. the, the records were pretty low, so. Yep. Little, yep. little history there from one of the old uh, long-in-the-tooth uh, former throwers. Thanks, Al. <laughs> Thank you. Are we recording? Holy yeah, we're recording. Okay. Uh, at the after games party with Matt Doherty. Congratulations, Matt, on a third place finish in an outstanding field. Uh, this is for Fork Talk, so you know, what do you what do you think about the Sheaf? I guess first question. I mean, clearly the Sheaf is the greatest event in the history of the Highland Games, and every game should be throwing at least one Sheaf, if not two. Oh, how about that? What do you? I mean, what more can you say? Well. I mean, really, an impressive, impressive performance over the past couple of days. Uh, you, you were a lot of fun to watch, and, and a really a heck of a nice guy. Oh, wow. I, uh, the, the kind words are, are, never, are never wasted, I guess. I, uh, I'm, I'm always in tough against the big, strong guys like McKim and, and uh, Matt Vincent. It was, you know, it was, it was a great weekend. The crowd was phenomenal. The town, yeah. the town is something that uh, that truly lived up to. It exceeded its its uh, reputation. I mean, everybody's been telling me about how I will have an amazing time, and uh, and it really lived up to that expectation. Yeah, and Francis Brebner, not five minutes ago, said you were the best pound for pound Scottish Highland Games thrower ever. What do you what do you think about that? And, uh, uh, a compliment that could not have been paid from someone who would know better. Um, I don't. I, I uh, I'm never going out to try and set that kind of uh, that kind of bar for myself. Sure. It's not an expectation that I have, but uh, it's you know I, I am I am who I am. I was born yeah. I was born with the with the frame and the musculature that I have, and, and I'm just trying to figure out how to throw as far as I physically can. Yeah. I mean, I, well. You know, as someone who's not a, a, a real big guy, I mean, unbelievably explosive. Uh, like I said, over the past couple of days, and, and you were you were a, a lot of fun to watch, and you know, great to meet. You seem familiar for some reason, but uh, we talked about that a couple of days ago. But uh, congratulations! Um, thanks again. Uh, you know, it was a great weekend. It was a great event. And, you know, a lot of guys came through through real far, and, and uh, I was just able to to get the pieces together on uh, on Sunday after a tough day one. It was a great time. All right, thanks, Matt. And we have we're big back, Daddy. Wow, I'll tell you what, that was a hell of an interview. It was good. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was laughing. I was laughing most when Chad says, "And Matt, you're just so nice." Yeah, you don't know him very well, Chad. I'll tell you right now, we've thrown with that sucker. That's what the girls say too. Oh, look at Matt. He's so cute. He's such a sweetheart. Look, he's such a sweetheart. No, but I'll tell you what, he's one of my one of my favorite hammer throwers to watch. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can see why. I mean, that guy is insane. Yeah, that that guy, he had some torque, and and especially on the second day, you know, he pulled out the win. I think it was light hammer, and I mean, it was pouring rain. Like we had a lake out in the edge, so it took. I think it took an hour and a half to complete that event because they were obviously trying to get their, you know, trying to get it right. But he did that on his last throw. We had to move the trig after every round. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was unbelievable wow. pulling that out, and and ended up in third. You know, kind of. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but, you know, I mean, Scott Ryder had a couple of wins and, 
um, in the in a stone. I think he might have. He, he was in, at least top two in both stones. Won the caber. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, to bump yeah. him out was. Well, I've been uh, I've been following Matt Doherty for years, and I told uh, a couple years ago. I remember I told Dominic Horgan and um, Matt and uh, I'm sorry, Ray Shahavitz from Victoria. The ADs up there, I said, you know, Doherty's going to be Canadian champion here really quick. And mm-hmm. I could see him, if he keeps moving the way he is, eventually becoming the first, you know, Canadian world champion. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they just yeah. kind of poo-pooed it. And then all of a sudden, boom, he becomes the Canadian champion. And then, yeah. you know, I, I get a PM from Shahavitz, and he goes, holy shit, you were right. You know, <laughs> yeah. and then and then when I when he, when he plays third here, I get another one. You know, so... Uh-huh. Um, I, the, the guy's got a well, lot of talent. He's a young guy. Yeah. Oh he's yeah, a young guy. He's got a lot of. I yeah. mean, he can. Well, have you ever seen his? You ever seen his training videos? When he trains, he trains no. in the uh, in the cold in Nova Scotia, and he throws Olympic hammer, right? Okay. And he's spinning on this freaking piece of plywood and throwing out into the a frozen lake. Yeah, frozen field or something. Yeah. As the hammer lands, it's yeah. like these mortar shells yeah. popping. Yeah, awesome. I'm like, how do you find that thing? And he says. It's really not that easy. He says he finds he tries to find the first hole and then he has to chase you know keep where, walking where and kicking around yeah. the snow. So yeah, uh, he's a he is a good dude, great athlete. Now Big Daddy and I also argued about this, Chad. The we were we we were suspect about Al's comment about the pushover record being like twenty seven feet. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it, you know he. he could have remembered that wrong. I, I I'd have a hard time believing it was that I myself. Yeah, I mean, had a twenty-two foot fork that might work. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's well, and, and you know, guys used to do that. I mean, and that's one of the reasons I think that you know some of those rules that hang around. But I think the rule is the fork's not supposed to be. If you look at some rule somewhere, yeah, yeah, the fork yeah. can't be over five feet. Yeah. And I think that's why. That is why, because yeah, we were talking. We, we talked to Steve Conway about totally it. Totally agree. Yeah. And it was because the pushover guys would come with these enormous forks, you know, and they do yeah. the pushover technique. But, you know, uh, nowadays it doesn't really matter how long your fork is because, right. you know, nobody uses pushover anymore. It's maybe, you know, I, I think I've seen a few, like, uh, older uh, mm-hmm. throwers and some women that use it, you know, but that's about it, so. Yeah, I think you probably misspoke. I mean, I, I don't That's okay. I, I mean, remember if we've talked about that before, but. We all exaggerate um, once in a while, right, Brett? Well, sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I mean that was that was after that was after the 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 uh, sponsors reception. But just another thing, they had over two hundred volunteers helping out for this event. Nice. Yeah. Thirty-eight, I yeah. think, was the number that was thrown out there. Unbelievable! Wow. That's fantastic. Yep, yeah, super yeah. fantastic. We um, and of course, I love hearing another confirmation because I heard it from Alistair directly himself when I was yeah. in Scotland that yeah. he loves sheep and actually yep. he does consider it a traditional event, even though it's not done that much, and he likes it. So mm-hmm. that was good because we like to give Francis grief about that. Well, especially that, if you yeah. made fun of him. But you know, Al, I mean, Al was right. no slacker in his day, hitting thirty-five feet with a sixteen-pound sheep. That's, no, that's, you know, that's a hell of a good. Al's no slacker number. at anything. He is a strong son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Al, Al, you know, I threw with Al mostly as when he came back. You know, he blew both of his biceps out throwing the fifty-six. So I don't. This is not common, but Al was was thrown as a pro, uh, blew his right bicep out training, then started throwing things left-handed, and I think he threw. He got up in competition through the four the, the fifty-six. It was, I think, about 38 feet, and he was just about into the 70s with his left hand, hmm. and he blew his left bicep out. So he's had both biceps attached. Wow. And then, so he set out a year or two and then came back and, and threw amateur for several years uh, up until 2005. But, um, yeah, he, 
I mean, I've seen him throw a 20-pound bag 30 feet mm-hmm. back back in the day, and he throws like nobody else. I mean, he would practically stand behind the bar. I mean, he is right on it. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. All right, so we got one uh, final set of interviews to hit, um, and of course right. we got to leave it with the uh, the organizers and the main men themselves. You got several great ones that we're going to play here from Francis and uh, and Ryan Vieira, and uh, right. so let's kick out to those. And uh, Francis can talk about his curls for the girls and his uh, <laughs> biceps, and uh, I'm sure there will be a story or two, and we'll go from there. You know, I got a picture of Francis and I in Pleasanton doing a bicep, and I beat him on that one. <laughs> I, better, I, better, I better keep you my be- biceps going, otherwise yeah, you know. better start working on it. Yeah. Okay, let's go out to that. Now, now Francis, I got to ask you, because uh, we, we did all the shows with the kids, and, and definitely by far the highlight of the show and every time Francis would, was doing a, a history lesson, and every time he would pop the double bicep, the little kitties would just gasp. <gasps> so, so uh, you got the you got the peaks really going again. Oh yeah, well here I am. I'm nearly fifty years old, you know. I'm going to be fifty in November, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to try and reach a goal of, of getting in the best shape I can for my health. You know, as you know, I've had a knee replacement right. four and a half months ago. I'm due to have another replacement in seven weeks right. just with the amount of games I've tallied up over the years, averaging 50, 52 being the most. So it's, took its, it's took its toll on the body. <laughs> yeah. And uh, especially once you retire for the sport, 10, 15 years down the road, it really comes back with a vengeance. <laughs> so trying to cut up and lose that bit of weight kind of gets you in a better looking shape. Now, yeah, yeah, that, 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 fr- that, uh, that, <laughs> that, 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 that photo on Facebook, you know, you got, you got the abs back. Oh, I, I got the now, abs. they still here? The abs. Well, About a week know, or so in France, you've been eating a lot of bread. <laughs> well, you know, a week in France, I've been eating the bread and cheese. I've kind of flattened out a little bit. <laughs> and then we've got another two weeks to go. We're moving on to Norway for the World Amateur Championships yeah. and the IHGF Stones of Strength World Series. Right. And then we're moving on to Hungary. Now, Hungary's going to be difficult, because well, I know how they feed you in Hungary. Oh, well, here you go. We've got the Wiener What did I gain on. last year? 20 pounds? Well, you gained 20 pounds if near 30. Mike Lewis, <laughs> Kelt was pushed to the max. In fact, the sporting, you've got pictures of it, you've got tie wraps holding it together. And I could tell it were, you're pushing a 50, 50 inch waist. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing, the other, the other great thing for me, you know, Francis is down here and he's and he's talking about his diet and everything, and he, and and I, and I and I just walk up at the top of the hill. He's talking to all these kids, and he's like, hey, "You got to watch your diet." And he sees me and he's like, "If you if you have too many fats and too many too many carbs, you're gonna look like this." Well, <laughs> and all the kids turn around and well, look at me. Just by great. Ch- just by chance, you were the only example I could use. To see you break through the forest and through the branches, and all of a sudden appear, the kids started nodding their head. Especially when I did a double bicep and you could see the peaks. <laughs> all right, we're we're talking to Ryan Vieira now, and I can remember. I, I guess we just want to talk a little a little history on the spinning in the sheaf. And Ryan, I think you're the IHGF representative who is a fan of the sheaf. And if not, we'll just pretend like you are for a little while. So, so give us a little bit about the history of the spinning. Be the uh, the date I recall where he uh, started to 
pick it up. That was around his retirement year as well. I think nine nine was his retirement year. So he picked it up, was successful right away with it. And that's what gave everybody kind of the idea that they could start spinning and be successful with it. Uh, I didn't start picking it up until roughly 2000. Okay. I spent about two weeks with Pat Hillier at my ranch <laughs> in Stevenson uh-huh. uh, to focus on uh, getting that spin down. And those two weeks, we threw it at least 200 times, yeah. at least 200 reps. Uh, and that's what made me good, actually. Well, I was, I, and I, w- I would say you somewhat perfected that. I mean, how, how high did you go with the spin? I, my first my first meet after those two weeks was 29 feet. With a 20-pound bag. Yeah, Eden Claw. Uh-huh. Both of us did. Me and Pat did 20, 29 feet in time. And that, you know, that may not seem like where, where, where they're at today, but you got to remember the bags. Were a lot different then. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, and and we were new. Actually. Yeah, we we had no idea what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We just kind of said we're, we're just going to practice this yeah. until we're. You know, I mean, I literally trained myself. We we trained a lot. Two hundred sheet pulls in that's two weeks. Of, that's a lot of pulls. And we uh, we got fairly good. We were pushing each other. We yeah. knew the bag was going high, but I didn't have a standard that uh, would to throw gauge it. Now, what was the what was your top top throw with a sheaf, either sixteen or twenty pound bag? Uh, it was uh, thirty seven with a sixteen, okay. and uh, thirty five three with a twenty two. Great, Lock Norman. Okay, all right. Thanks, Ryan. All right, I'm at the athletes' reception with uh, with Ryan and Francis, and really, what I want to ask you guys or, or give you an opportunity is just to, to go through the history of the IHGF and what you're trying to what you're trying to do. Well, you know, the the IHGF first started in 2000. Myself, I was coming to end the my career. I knew that I wanted to still be involved in the sport. I wanted to give back to the sport. And I wanted to see it going in a direction it's going to build. There's lots of different associations, and those other federations at the time, it was doing events, but it was mostly just to host, you know, championship events here and there. It wasn't really promoting the sport on a bigger scale, for it was pulling in TV, encouraging their athletes from around the world, and this is what we're trying to do. So in 2000, it was actually while I was uh, on tour, with Doug McDonald mm-hmm. in Australia, we talked about uh, the IHGF. I talked about my plans. He also talked about uh, creating the CHEF, the Canadian Highland Games Federation, which we both went on to do. And uh, for there, it's grown. And uh, now we've got 25, 26 countries affiliated yeah, to the IHGF. Now, later on down the road, Ryan Vera come on board. And between the two of us, we've been pushing the sport as much as we can. We've been creating world championship events, not only professional world championships, for amateurs, amateurs. to give them a stepping stone, mm-hmm. to come for amateurs up through the ranks of novice, C's, B's, A's, making their way to the amateur ranks. And for there, the winner of the world amateur championships then progresses to the professional championships. He secured a spot in the following year's championships. For example, here was... Peter Kars Bowman and Doy last year, 2014, right. with 12 of the world's top ranking amateur athletes competing there. Peter won the championship. He then secured his place in the 2015 World Championships, and he is here representing his country. Yep. 
and you know, Ryan, he's been a great driving force. Between the two of us, we've worked together very well. We've got the same ambitions to drive the sport. And Ryan, he'll and tell I think you guys complement each other extremely yeah. well. I came on board in 2007 to, to basically assist and get the world championships back up to a level where I think that all of us thought we needed to get it. And I just wanted to get my give my uh, expertise in there in terms of finding a location, trying to better the prize money, get just more driven towards the athlete rather than uh, than anything else. And, and also look to, you know, add drug testing in our, our events, which is an important thing, both me and Francis. That's our passion to make sure it's a drug-free sport. And, yeah. and, and also clean for the young, young and up-and-coming athletes getting mm-hmm. into the sport. For example, you know, in the last several years, it, we've been holding uh, world championship events, world team championship events, mm-hmm. masters, and amateur uh, world championship events that all have drug testing. Right. For example, here at these world championships, every athlete yep. is drug testing. Yeah, 13, we brought 13, 13 drug tests are going to be involved. And, you know, the thing I, to me, you know, as kind of a, as a fan of the sport, uh, seeing, I think there's at least 10 different countries represented this weekend. There, there's nine countries uh, being yeah. representative and a total of 12 athletes. Right. And, and, you know, being involved in the sport for 30 years, Ryan has yeah. been roughly the same. And I can speak for both. This is one of the biggest lineups. Oh yeah, the strongest lineups. Yeah, and I think I mean you know you look at it from top to bottom. And there's you know God, a lot of people can get between and, and cause some issues. So I, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how how this shakes out. I'm you know as a fan I'm I'm excited to be here. From all aspects of, of hosting the world championships, this is by far the best one I've ever been involved in. We have hospitality, the best hospitality yeah. uh, I've ever been given. The best venue that any game could, could really achieve to have. The best athletes, you know, by uh, by each country, based on each country. I mean, it, it's, it has everything. But, and just to add to that, you know, the atmosphere is created within the castle. Yeah. You get a real haunting feel. It's like, yeah. it's like stepping back in time. Right. And uh, the crowd really gets behind it. And I got to agree with Ryan. At this, for me, in all my near 30 years of competing in the sport mm-hmm. and traveling around the world, this is the best Highland Games in the world. Yeah. I got to agree with Ryan. Hospitality from start to finish, it's just been well, incredible. I mean, I, you know, oh, no, no, go right, go ahead. We we kind of rate our our games by you know uh, by these three criteria. Well, four criteria: money, location, hospitality, and the athletes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this one meets tens. Yeah, the board. across the board. So you know sure. that uh, out of all of them, that's that's what we're trying to treat. It's no, it's it's not anything against the past world. Sure, sure, absolutely. We're just trying to achieve better everywhere we go. Well, the bar the bar has been raised. Yeah. I mean, you see, I mean, you know, <laughs> coming here is just as a, as an assistant judge, I can tell you, you know, we've been taken care of. Unbelievably, uh, I know the athletes have traveled, not only travel, but accommodations, taking care of meals for the whole the whole week that they're here. It's it's it's, it's really been amazing. And the th- thing about it too, there's a real family atmosphere yeah. amongst the guys, the athletes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of you know a lot of friendly ribbon going on. It's, it's oh yeah, a lot of banner back and forth and 
Uh, it's it's been a you know it's it's been amazing. I, I just you know thank you guys for letting for letting me be a part of it. It's been a great. You're a part of it. <laughs> That's the whole deal. You're part of the whole championships. You know, it's great to see in Europe just how big the sport mm-hmm. is actually growing. You know, a few years ago with two TV networks, yeah. it, the last uh, World Highland Games series that was in 2009. Here we are, 2015. We've got a total of six, yeah. six TV networks, six crews coming to film. Hungry, they're going to make a, a program, and we've seen what they've done before. We worked mm-hmm. with them a lot. This is professional programs, oh, yeah. which is aired throughout Europe. It's really fantastic. Great for the sport. Great for the Highland Games, and uh, it's good for the sponsors. They get a good return. And this is what's happening here in Brazweer. Yeah. Over the last few years, this games has been building from games to games, and uh, we, we can uh, we can possibly be in a better venue. Absolutely. We are here in Brazweer. Another big thing, you know, sitting right across the table from us, uh, Doug McDonald. D- yeah, Doug McDonald. You know, very pleased to have uh, yeah. Father Duke here himself, a former Highland Games tour. He placed uh, third overall in the 2003 World Championships. He then went to follow his calling, which mm-hmm. was in the ministry, and uh, he had to give up his sport. But right. actually, God then turned him around about yeah. and pulled him back into it. And uh, he is now promoting Highland Games. Uh, under the cross, you could yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, three years ago, he had Highland Games there in Marguerite, Nova Scotia. And uh, this games he put on was in order to help raise money for a roof for his church. Right. And it was quite staggering, mm-hmm. the response he got. Three years later, his games are still going, yeah. and it's growing from year to year. Yeah. I was there last year, and while I was there, I mentioned to do, uh, because it was a French Arcadian community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, he was the parish of and I, I told them so we're having the world championships here in Brisbane maybe it'd be a good chance to do some twinning from yeah. the youngsters from Marguerite and also the youngsters from, from here, Brisbane from, yeah. France and uh, they can go back and forth you know in the, in the competition Marguerite competition in Brisbane and help build the, 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 the sport as well as that, help build the, 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 the French uh, interest within the sport also. So Doug is uh, here, and uh, he's did the signing with Jean-Louis and the twinning of the towns of the games. Yeah. So this is, this is really good. It's a real good boost to see this. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Anything, Ryan, final? Everything was said. Yeah, all right. Well, everybody that's listening... I just like to say, if you ever get a chance in the future to come to Brazil, France, you need to come. Yeah, this is one place you got to put on your bucket list. It's not just the the, the 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 castle. It is. It's just everything. It surrounds it, it, it in a whole. The yeah. community, the people. Uh, it's just unbelievable. So we hope to see in the future. We hope to be back here, hosting another World Championships in another five years. Alright, thanks guys. Alright, uh, the games are over, Francis. Standing here in the rain. Uh, just just sum up the games for us if you could. You know, this is probably one of the most climax finishes to Highland Games that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from start to finish, the, the caliber athletes were at the highest. They gave their all. 
Dan McCann after the first day is seven points behind. Yeah. Here's him, you know, the, the lights don't let him down. He had a hard time getting it into his neck here. Yeah. His favourite event, which everybody thought he would dominate, he ended up being second. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, second in both hammers. Yeah, second in both hammers. And, you know, the second day, he had a lot of work to do. But, yeah. but he stuck tilt and he pulled it out at the end, giving his all. Yep. And uh, it was a great finish between Matt Vincent and Dan McCann. And, you know, for a third-place finish for Matt Doherty, oh, £230. Yeah. He's given away as much as as near £90 to yeah. some of the athletes, you know. But, uh, in fact, here's a surprise. I was thinking to, uh, speaking to, to Matt Doherty and asking him, you know, if he was a little bit heavier, would it help? He says, no. He says, I actually find if I get any heavier, it actually slows me down. Yeah. You know, that guy was uh, unbelievably explosive. Incredible, and, and you know, all around was a great performance. And uh, as I said, Dan McCam coming in that last event, he knew it. He he had to clear every height with no misses. Yeah. Because uh, Matt Vincent, another great weight yeah. on the bar. Oh yeah. And Matt gave his all, and uh, it was a fantastic. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of clutch those today. A lot of people coming out of nowhere on their last one. Craig Sinclair moving up in the heavy hammer. Matt moving up several places back on yeah. his last throw. Yeah. Just huge, huge throws. Mm-hmm. It was a, uh, you know, I was honored to be a part of it. So thank you for for letting me, uh, you know, inviting me here and letting oh, me it's help been great out. Great to meet you, Chad. You, you and all Myers have done a great, uh, great work. But you know. Have you ever been to a games where you've ever seen so much TV camera no, crews, reporters? It was just jump. And then yeah. the jumbathon in Tampa. Yeah, jumbo, a jumbotron on a Highland Games. I mean, amazing. And, and I tell you, the crowd. I don't know that how many. There was a few thousand here in the rain. It was pouring oh, yeah. down rain yeah. from start a few to finish. Looking yeah. on, what's with the, with yeah, the and, people in right. There's people know. on the top on the other side listening under the tents. I mean, it was it was unbelievable how many people. Yesterday, uh, we put some pictures up. There's pictures, I'm sure, all over. But I, I think they had at least seven or 8,000, and the oh, town yeah. is 20,000, yeah. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Great, great atmosphere. They were into it, chanting for everybody, very supportive. Uh, it, was, it was just a, a really, really great game to be a part of. Yeah. And we back. In the hizzy. In the hizzy. We are here with Chad Olam, who is our international correspondent designee. The Mike Rowe of Fork Talk. Doing a great job on that. Um, You know that Brebner, I'll tell you what, I can barely understand that son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. You uh, were... Chris, you know, I think the problem might have been, Big Daddy, the first time you ever really spent any time with him was Mm -hmm. when we were drinking a ton of Guinness at that bar in Boise. I understood every fucking word he said then. <laughs> he did not. You, you told him specifically that the more drunk he got, the more you couldn't understand a word he was saying. Yeah, but saying. then when I caught up to him and I got drunker, I could get, I got it. Oh, I see. Right. When, so when you were on his uh, alcohol plane, yeah. you, it became more, yeah, more absolutely. real. Absolutely. Yeah, we were playing strongman trivia. He was asking oh. me a bunch of questions, and I was getting The funny thing, he was amazed I was getting some of them right. So yeah. he loves that. He's a he's a real trivia buff and you know historian when it comes to that stuff. So yep. Well, we're I mean we're obviously huge fans of him and his history and Ryan and his history. He was yeah. our first guest on, world champion. He was our first guest yep. on Fork Talk. So that's fantastic. Great interview. So, um, what so what's overall your impression of the whole thing, Chad? Give us your uh, kind of final take on the IHGF and and where it's going and and in your time there. Well, I mean. You know the the thing about it, those guys, the they do such an amazing job. Um, you know Ryan and Francis together, 
they, they make a great team. They play off of each other really well. But, I, you know, like I said in the beginning, just the things that they do with the um, bringing it worldwide and making a, a true world championship I think is fantastic. Um, and Ryan told me the first year we that I did anything with him, you know, he told me their whole aim, and you can and you can really see it, is, is getting more for the athlete. I mean, you know, they've taken criticism for the money and, and all this. Those guys are not making money on this deal. I can, I mean, I, not firsthand, but there's no way they're making money on it. The athlete, the money all goes to the athlete. You know, they are flown in. Uh, they're they're put up in hotels the whole time. They had drivers for everybody. They paid for. I didn't pay for a single meal the whole time we were there mm-hmm. as as judges and and as field crew. So the athletes were treated you know unbelievable and anybody associated with it so i think they're doing an amazing job um just trying to grow the sport and trying to grow it worldwide and you know and i really appreciate the efforts they're putting in so they you know so we can have championships like that where do they where do they get their money is it is it sponsorships and such or yeah i mean it's up to the it's up to the game mm-hmm. so the games raises the money you know like brett swear they put a they put a bid in and, and i we spent a lot of time with the organizer mm-hmm. and got to know him pretty well, uh, Jean Louis, and he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. But they they raised money over two years, and that's where those volunteers and the sponsors came in. Good, you know, yeah. it's it's and 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 the same with last year. You know, when we were in Norway for the amateur world, they had they had a huge sponsor that that stepped up. So so that's really you know where the where the money comes from um, is the is the, is, the, is the, it's up to the games to raise the money. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, that's and come up with it and get the sponsorship. So, do you, Chad, do you think that the that the crew in France that put this on, you think with the gates and the you know what they charged and yeah. making money on food and beer and beverage and all that, you think they at least made their money back? Yeah, I talked to to Jean Louis and he said that they. I think they had it on Saturday. They had like I said, they had eight thousand people come through on Saturday, wow. and I can't remember what they were charging you know per person or how many euro or whatever uh, but they had bands there and everything else but he said they were that they had hit what they needed to hit on saturday hey, good. sunday was all gravy so you know it, it could have been way over the top um but but they did okay well it, it, you know what it's all good. about is you know getting the word out to people you know that this event is going to happen yeah you yeah. know especially yep. when when it's not in conjunction with another highland games perhaps right right you know uh getting the word out is big you know, I mean, and you know that's mm-hmm. going to get your gate up. That's going to get people watching, and, yeah. and and especially you know with the uh, IHGF, that's how they're going to be able to continue to go from games to games because they're going to be able to help these other people who are help. You know, basically they're, you know, these uh, these countries are given money for them to come and put on a world championships, but right. everybody's going to make out in the end. The athletes are going to get you know treated well like they deserve to because they're professionals uh-huh. and they're top caliber and then the event coordinators are going to get what they need to get out of it and you know they're going to spread the word to everybody else you know mm-hmm. yeah but you know it's it's, yeah, and that, it's that's a really fan their base. vision and from what you know just from talking to them i don't want to put words in their mouth but i i kind of feel like that you know that's their the vision they have for it is just growing it worldwide and making it a, a bigger sport and, and hoping that it continues to grow and i i think they're doing a, i think they're doing a great job and it's a you know, it's a labor of love, as far as I can see. Well, I mean, it's a, it's cool. it's, it's a European based sport, so you know, appeal to the yeah. Europeans, right? You know, really. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of what you got to do, because you know, Americans, you know, they're they're always going to probably consider the Highland Games a fringe, you right. know, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, 
but Europeans yeah. seem to embrace sports like that, you know. So I they think sure it's, yeah. it's a good idea, you know. And then yep. hopefully yep. maybe one day they'll be on TV again like the Ultimate Heavy Athletics was, you know. That would be nice. Oh, that was a great time, yeah. I remember all that. Yep. So good stuff. Well, good work, Chad. You've uh, you earned your keep. In fact, you know what he earned, Big Daddy? A pair of Fork Talk socks. Do we still hey. have any of those left? We do. I think I may, have, I may have. He doesn't used. have any, and he needs some to throw in occasionally. I may have used the last pair to wax my truck. <laughs> no, you did not. You got another pair? Yeah. All right. Candy sprinkles will take care of another pair. Uh, you know how he knows that's bullshit? Because I'd never wax my fucking truck. I'm lazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd have the kids do it. There you go. Uh, but, yeah, Fork Talk socks for a good old Chad Olam. All also, right. I'm naming you official employee of the month. Woo! Wow. You are the employee of the month, Chad. Where does that get put? Over the urinal? No, no. It gets put over in the uh, east wing of the broadcasting company. The Empire? Yeah. Okay. I like it. Headquarters? Yeah. We'll post it on the webpage. Okay. Awesome. We'll put a big picture of him and call him employee of the month. (laughs) I love it. I love it. You're the first one. We have never had one. It's true. I just made it up the second. You're, You're good at that. Yeah, we had the heart of the Highland Games on our last uh, podcast, and now we got... He's good, uh, he's good at making up things, Chad, that I then have to execute on. So, <laughs> thanks for yeah. that. You got to have an idea, man. You know, somebody had to come up with the idea to have Coca-Cola, right? So, shut up. Yeah, yeah but I think you were the, hey, I got a new Coke idea. This is what we're going to do. Right. <laughs> now implement it. Now go make it happen. Uh, all right, well... Uh, Thanks for joining us, Chad. Be good. Uh, hope uh, training and throwing this year is going well for you, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, all right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Roger that. Take care, Chad. Always a pleasure. Okay, we, right. we have to the next segmento. Segmento. Brilliant. You found lesbians. Huh. Good luck trying to break through that force field. Lesbians? We never said that. What? We never said that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, man. I will do anything. Anything to sleep with you chicks. Okay? I'll grab every guy's ass in this room. I'll caress it even. I'll shave some ass if they need it. Oh, yeah, you heard me. It's true. I'll kiss everybody here. Dudes, chicks, everybody. Because my float be a good uh, life raft. Indeed. Bruce <laughs> <Free> support. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, what? Welcome back. Boats and hoes. Boats and hoes. I got to tell you, Big Daddy, it's been a hell of an interview-only type of podcast. Yeah, indeed. It's unique. It's different. We didn't have any other segments, but we had some fun, fun conversation. Yeah, I don't think we needed any other segments of this show. Well, you know, we've actually gotten a lot of feedback over the years that um, people love it when we do interviews. They like hearing from other people. Mm. I don't know why they'd want to hear from anybody but us. But yeah. well, maybe from now they on, we'll do just... like hearing from others and, uh, you know, people at the games and their perspective on life. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe next time we'll just pretend we're interviewing somebody and I'll just make weird voices. 
You do that anyway. It works. <laughs> I just did Chad Olam and nobody figured it out. It, that was you? Yes. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. You know what's even worse? What? Miles Wetzel. I did it. I, I was, I was, that was the voice of Miles Wetzel. That wasn't Miles either? You were <laughs> oh, in the no, other no, room? No, 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 That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I was in the pudding aisle but and I th- was getting pudding. And- but Thrower X is real, isn't he? Oh, Thrower X is the man. Oh, okay. Yeah. He comes to visit us. We, we need to... I'll summons him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll summons him. Yep. Okay. We'll get him. Very good. You know, I love this song so much, we're going to go out on it again. Oh, boy. Yep. All right. Hey, uh, and Big Daddy? Yeah. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to our sponsors, Mattress Ranch, www.mattressranch.com. Thanks for all the likes and the listens. We're going to hit that 13,000 plays soon. 13,000 plays. The Folk Talk Podcast comes out whenever we damn well please. Yeah, baby. Oh, we got two in a row on back-to-back weeks here, Big Daddy. Yeah, you guys, it's like fucking Christmas for Folk Talk Nation. It is. We've got got plenty of listening pleasure for them uh, as they head to Enumclaw or wherever they're going this coming weekend. Yes? Yep, absolutely. Oh, there is no other place than Enumclaw this weekend. It's It's a good one, yep. It's the North American. American Championships. Questions or comments, email us at info at fork-talk.com or Facebook, Fork Talk with Big Daddy and Hoss. Until next time, may the fork be with you. You are the sheaf and the mother boat to my fork, Big Daddy. Slunchamore, <laughs> <laughs> great health. Captain Quint. Take this motherfucker away. After we hear a little more boat. On a pontoon boat with a big, bald, beautiful big daddy on vacation in Minnesota. I'm drinking Angry Orchard by the pint. I'll punch you in your face and hit you in the eye. That doesn't rhyme, but I like it anyway. I don't have to because I'm the jam master J. <laughs> nice. We out. Out. To you fair Spanish ladies Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston And so never more shall we see you again Thanks for listening to Fork Talk with your she-fork-wielding lovable host, Big Daddy and Hoss. Check out www.fork-talk.com for more episodes. We throw heavy stuff for fun, people. Caber up!